This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 117 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I am joined by C.R. Rowanson, and we're going to be talking all about how to create a magic system. And I get super giddy and excited about uh, plans and potential for my... Uh, uh, magic system, upcoming magic system for murdering magicians. But first to last week's question, which was, what are your plans for the festive season? Carrie Hardisky said, my plans for the holidays is lots of visiting with family. Fortunately, we don't have to go everywhere in one day. My husband's aunt is hosting Christmas dinner the next day. It's exhausting already going multiple places for a holiday. Dragging a tiny, tiny human along is double exhausting. Completely understand. We also have lots of driving to do. Um, but it is kind of restricted to like... Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, and then, oh, and then the 27th. And then after those four days are done, we're just going to rest for a few days. So I hope that you get to do the same too. Tom Fowler says, plans are to celebrate with family. We'll try to see a few more people this year, so long as we can do it safely. J. Ember Hints says, excellent episode and so timely as I'm working on my book blurb today. Thank you um, to uh, Brian and Sasha. Question of the day, the festive season, uh, this festive season, I apologise, my family will be travelling to Montreal for two weeks to move our college kiddo into his study abroad apartment. And so I can do setting research for my next book. Well, that is exciting. Um, Sarah Louise Writer says, this was such a fantastic, unmissable episode. Thank you, because it was a long one. (laughs) But I'm so glad that you all enjoyed it. Um, And she says that she also signed up for uh, the course, the blurb course, which I have and I have started, but I have not finished. My plan is to do that in January. Matt Goodall says, I'll be heading home a little before Christmas to see my mum. Just an overnight trip as I'll be working Christmas Day and I don't want to travel on Christmas Eve. Looking forward to the few days off. Wishing you a safe, joy-filled, restful Christmas break too. Oh, that's so lovely. Um, And of course, I wish everybody a safe, restful and joy-filled Christmas. Uh, So yeah, I hope you all have a lovely Christmas break. This week's question is, what is your reading goal for 2022? Now, I am trying really hard to rein myself in. I would like to read five books that are over 600 pages next year. So I'm going to commit to doing that. But then I also, uh, like the competitor in me, is desperate to beat whatever score I get this year, uh, next year. And currently this year I have read 111 books. So... (laughs) So part of me is like, yeah, read more books. But, um, you know, of course, uh, if I do that, then it makes it hard to read sort of 600 page books. So I suppose I could try and beat my page count for next year. I could make that my target instead. And thankfully, Goodreads does tell me my page count so I can check my page count. So maybe I will do that instead. Okay, book recommendation of the week this week is Whispers of Deception by Renee Gallant. This is the first in the Highland Legacy series. This series is perfect for fans of riveting historical fiction and murder mysteries. This gripping novel will keep you guessing until the very end. Rife with political tensions and set in a backdrop of a possible Jacobite uprising, being a royal in 18th century Scotland has never been more dangerous. So if you like the sound of that, then I have included links in the show notes and congratulations to Renee uh, on, I think she's now got three in that series. So in personal update, I it is currently Friday the 17th of December and I am going to stop working on Tuesday the 22nd. I have a friends beta read that I need to finish. I need to empty my inbox. Uh, I've got about 50 or 60 emails that need personal responses or actions that I need to take. I tend to use my inbox as a bit of a to-do list, so I need to deal with all of those. And I need to just finish off a few bits of freelance work as well. And then that's it. I have decided to push sirens off until January. It is only 
what, I think 19,000 words. So it's going to take me a day or two to get through that uh, book. Um, but I am exhausted. I just need to stop. My brain is struggling to focus. Um, I know that I'm trying to finish off tasks and I just... I just cannot. I'm just so tired. I, I really need to stop now for a little bit. I don't feel like I've had a proper break in a really long time. Um, I mean, realistically, since I last went on holiday uh, to somewhere where I didn't have to work, and I can't remember when that was. It certainly was before we moved house. So possibly 2019. Summer 2019 is when I feel like the last time I had a proper rest. Um, I know that's rich because uh, I obviously went to visit my dad uh, but I kind of feel like family visits are not necessarily restful like it was very very lovely to see my dad but uh, I didn't necessarily feel rested it was quite stressful traveling through um, sort of covid situations or, or, or the travel wasn't stressful but like the build-up to it was I would say it was actually pretty easy to to get on the plane in the end um Anyway, so I am going to let up on myself um, and I'm going to try and look like I, I confess, I really don't want to finish this year without having done sirens, but also I really want to just finish and rest for a few days. So maybe I will do it um, in that period between Christmas and New Year if I get bored <laughs> or like I just get that itch to come back and work. Um, but I won't be doing anything else. So I won't be doing emails. I won't be I won't be doing social media probably and other than the occasional random update just for funsies. Um, so yeah, I, I am very much going to sit my butt down, play games with my son, eat with family and friends, hopefully, unless fucking Boris Johnson shuts everything down. Um, and it will give me some headspace to think about next year because I, although I've done a like goals episode for 2022 with Dan on the Next Level Authors podcast, I have really struggled to pin things down. And I think like, and the tactics of, of those things that need doing and the hows and whens. And so um, I need to spend a bit of time like looking at the finances and like what you know where the money came in and then like if that's how much I earned from that then what can I earn from that next year and setting some like you know tangible tactics and goals and targets um for the things that I want to do next year so and I just haven't really had the headspace to do that because I've been trying to finish projects so yeah I have now finished editing the anthology stories and some of the authors have already got those stories back to me so I'm hoping that by about mid January mid to late January that will go off to the editor um, I am waiting on feedback on Trey so I'm hoping that again in a very similar time space that that will go off to the editor um, mid-January-ish wow I'm gonna have a very large editing bill um, yes so that is those two projects and I think I have now decided the first non-fiction book that I'm going to work on in January and I think um, I'm just trying to decide what the other project is that I'm going to do in January um so yes, I, I, I think I'm going to do nonfiction first because I would like to write two nonfiction books uh, next year, so that I release two in the next tax year. Um, what else? So yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm just winding down from this year. I've kind of done like a little bit of a review, looking at what I've done and what I achieved this year, and then um, trying to think about what I want to achieve next year and be a bit more specific with it at the moment i've got these lovely sort of high level goals that are you know pies in the sky almost and haven't really attached any tactics time frames um or specifics like you know i've just chucked numbers out there but how am i actually going to do that because it's all good and well saying that you've got a financial goal and then you need to decide how you're actually gonna <laughs> strive to hit that goal so that's the bit i need to do but i once again i don't feel i've been able to do that because i've been trying to finish everything off so i think my brain is just so fried i just need a rest so i think that's it that's it for me i'm not going to talk anything else um i think we're going to get on with the episode uh well after the other bits first <laughs> so rebel of the week this week is robert byers robert says my story is that i grew up in a religious household where christianity was quite literally shoved down my throat from sunday to friday when i was forced to go to sunday church and go to a christian school where i graduated I have written short stories since the sixth grade with a Dragon Ball Z fanfic to working on a piece of LGBT fiction. I have been told how my sexuality was wrong. 
for so long that I denied it. That religion was the way to go because you can't get to heaven without someone interceding on your behalf. So I abandoned, oh man, this is hard to read. So I abandoned all of what I was raised with and accepted that not only am I bisexual, I'm also pagan. Oh, I, thank God. I was like, it was getting hard to read and now we've got a happy ending. Um, I use that in my stories as I tend to have a lot of bi and gay characters and I write a lot of paranormal stories. I don't think I'll ever go back to following the organised religion that I was forced to be part of for so long, but I do know that either way, I'll write my novels how I want them written with whatever characters are best for them and who knows maybe they'll make it uh to the big time one day in the indie world i love that um i am so sorry that you had to go through that and were forced to essentially uh, deny a huge part of yourself i think it is oh God, i just i have you know so many opinions and feelings and you know i faced some backlash when i came out i i grew up in quite a conservative area and uh yeah there were there were there was some backlash and i sort of ended up going back in the closet only to come back out of the closet when i went to university um so yeah i i get that and i understand and i am so glad that you were empowered and you managed to find your way into being true to yourself if you would like to be a Rebel of the Week, please do send in your story. Please do. We are always short of Rebel stories. Um, it can be any kind of rebellion, big, small, or something in between. You can email your Rebel story to rebelauthorpodcast at gmail.com or you can Instagram me at Sasha Black Author. A big thank you and welcome to Audrey Ordear this week. Um, Audrey has joined at the Rebel Emperor level. So uh, Audrey will be joining me for the Rebel Readers Masterclasses. Uh, we've got one in January, January the 12th that's coming up. And also gets access to the Slack group and to all of the other random bits and bobs that you get by being, being part of the Patreon community. Thank you so much so much to everybody that has continued to support me over the last few years. I really can't tell you how much it means to me. Um, you guys are amazing. I, I love the community. I love the support that you all give each other. Um, so yes, thank you. And, and, and a big squishy Merry Christmas and thank you to everybody who, who listens and supports the show as well. If you would like to support the show and get early access to all of the episodes as well as bonus content, then you can from as little as $2 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. Okay, let's get on with the episode. Hello and welcome to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, I am joined by C.R. Rowanson. C.R. Rowanson is fascinated by magic since pine cones could be fireballs. He is also an award-winning author, blogger, and writing coach that studies magic building like others study oil painting. His prime directive is to help storytellers of all kinds craft and repair the magic systems in their stories. And you can visit crrowinson.com to witness, fuel, or join in his obsession. And I am hoping that's exactly what you're going to do today because I am traumatized from writing fantasies. <laughs> Welcome. Thank goodness you wrote the book that you wrote. And uh, yeah, tell everyone a little bit about you and your journey. Like, how did you get to where you are today? Well, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, we can't have you traumatized by magic systems because <laughs> I want more magic systems and stories. So we've, we've got to help the healing begin here. <laughs> so yeah, uh, CR Rounds, it's a, it's a weird convoluted path. Really how most of it started out is Honestly, as a writer, I've been pretty self-conscious a lot about the fact, you know, most people are saying, oh, I've been writing since I was in kindergarten and I've been reading avidly since before I was born and all that kind of stuff. And I never really had any of that until I realized that I have been playing with magic systems since I could pick up a pine cone and say, this is a fireball that I'm killing some creature with. Um, but where it really kicked off was a discussion with a bunch of friends about Avatar The Last Airbender and superpowers, primarily which element we would be and if we could have any superpower, what it would be, where I, my, and I was in school getting a degree in chemical engineering at the time. So my engineering brain took that, processed it, and gave me a massive dream with all of these powers in it, detailed with scientific explanations and yada, yada, yada. And I just tried to explain it to my friends. And eventually they said, Clark, please shut the hell up. <laughs> we 
if you write it down, if you write it down, we promise we'll read it. So I wrote down a hundred or so pages about these magic systems. And of course they didn't read it. So I thought I would be clever and write fiction and weave the magic into the stories. And then they would want to know about the magic. Well, <laughs> that's how it led into me writing fiction as I was trying to improve my craft was also wanting to get better at my magic systems. And that's when I found the absolute dearth of information we have on how to build them. So I started doing my best on my own, working with friends, helping them with their stuff. And that kind of just spiraled from there. And I started to see that there was an entire niche here that really needed to be explored. We have so much stuff about plot structure and so much stuff about character design, like a lot of your great books, which I have a couple in my, in my cart, but you have stuff specifically on doing evil heroes or evil characters and heroes. And we have nothing on magic systems except Sanderson's three laws and a couple chapters here and there in world building books, which are also few and far between. Yeah, um, it's so funny that you say that because that's exactly why I did what I did. When I um, when I started writing uh, 13 Steps to Evil, it was because there was only one other book on the market that talked about villains and it wasn't yeah. very long. And I was like, there is so much missing. And the funny thing is now I look back and I'm like, oh, I would write so much more in that book now. Like maybe I'll do a second edition. Um, but yeah, like it is, it's so true. Like lots of stories on story structure, on characters in general. But like, mm -hmm. again, there was nothing on the market on side characters. Like I had, I cannot find another book on side characters because I checked right. before I started writing it. So I love that you niched down um, and that, yeah, you found a, a hole in the market. I think that is the best way to write nonfiction books. So let's dive into the content then. What exactly do you mean by like magic systems? What is your definition of what a magic system is? For those of you who can't see, I'm rubbing my hands <laughs> together in glee because magic. Okay, so magic systems, my definition is anything enabling actions or effects beyond our current capability or understanding. It's a broad net that pretty much can't it captures, it's a broad net that pretty much captures any of the fantastical elements we want to put into our stories, whether it's fantastical setting elements, monsters, bizarre alien biology, advanced tech, more traditional magic stuff, any of that I kind of classify as magic systems because we can approach building it and implementing it in a similar way. They're all going to feel different. That's the point. But as far as I'm concerned, they're actually the same part of our story, just like you have all kinds of different types of characters, but they're all characters. Okay, and so before, before we dive into the content of creating a magic system from scratch, like first talk to me about mistakes, like what, and I, I'm sure I'm gonna be able to tell everyone one mistake to avoid, <laughs> but what are like, the, in fact, I will. So I know with magic systems, it's very easy to write yourself into a corner with um, the magic that you create. So uh, the biggest mistake I made with my first uh, young adult fantasy series is that I made it way too complicated. There were laws for this and laws for that. And uh, it essentially meant that it took me four years to finish the series because I just didn't know how to get out of the, the holes and many loops and circles that I had created. So what mistakes do you see people making with magic systems? Okay, I wanna caveat all of this by saying two things. One, I don't think there's actually such a thing as a bad magic system. I think there are incomplete and poorly implemented magic systems. Mm -hmm. um, and the other aspect of that is if you approach it with intention and enough skill, you can make literally anything work. That is, that is the only actual thing I would call a rule about writing is if, if you know what you want to do and you figure out how to wield it, you can make anything work. A lot of the things that make people stumble though, that is one of them making it too complex so that it it can detract from your story it can kind of damage itself as you input what seem to be inconsistencies or are at least inconsistent from what you have shown two of the big big problems i really see is and this is hard as somebody who loves magic systems is too much of an emphasis on the magic you have your whole story there that you're supposed to be telling 
And as much as I love magic systems, if you spend three chapters explaining the mechanics of the magic without something actually happening in the story, I'm going to eat it up. But you didn't implement it well. It needed to be implemented better for the sake of your story. So that's that's one. Another big part is cohesion. People will throw a lot of things together, but it's important that you figure out how to make them feel like a single piece or feel intentionally or feel disparate intentionally. So an example I like to give for that is if you take just a couple of magical effects, like the ability to heal somebody, the ability to inflict harm, let's say conjure tools and turn invisible. Those are three radically different magical abilities that if you just have that, there's not much of connection. Yes, it's magic and that's all we've got. But if you make it so that anytime the magic user does any of these effects, they are surrounded by this wispy red mist that just pours off of their skin and is accompanied by the smell of burnt oranges, all of a sudden, these things that are completely separate now feel like they are together for some reason. Or another example of that in very common, uh, very famous Hollywood films is X-Men, right? Every single yes. person has a different power. They are all right. different abilities and different powers. But the connection is that the, it's all via a mutation on a gene. And that is what connects them all. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because if you... If you didn't do that, then you would need to treat all of them as independent things. And Marvel is in a weird place in between where the rest of Marvel with the Marvel Cinematic Universe is in a weird place because everybody's magic could be treated as its own system, but there are enough of them that it starts to be easier to think of them as one big whole without as many strong connections. But mm -hmm. that kind of cohesion is especially important, especially if it's within the same magic user so iron man stuff always feels like iron man abilities it would be weird if he was doing lightning the way thor does it, mm -hmm. it wouldn't it wouldn't mesh yeah and i think that's what one of the reasons it was so important that they had cameos from the different characters in the different films because that helped with that cohesion as well which is a great um replicable tangible thing you can do in your own series like say you have a series of different superheroes you can have cameos um of other characters in there to connect them all which i think is fantastic okay talk to me about seed crystals what is a seed crystal why do you need one where do you find one and where the fuck do you start building a magic system anyway okay a lot of really good questions there <laughs> we'll start with the I suppose, easiest one for me to answer, which is what is a seed crystal? Because <laughs> that is actually a chemistry term. In labs, when they're trying to grow crystals, fun fact about crystals, crystals can't grow off of nothing. They can't grow in zero G without something to latch onto. They need a substrate, a surface where the crystallization can start. That's why you can get flash freezing on your windshield where water droplets hit and then instantly crystallize into ice. So does that mean a pearl is a crystal because a pearl needs a grain of sand? Shut up. Is it actually? It, it's it's a it's a similar principle. I would need yeah. I would need to look into it, but yes, it's yeah. one of those things where this structure needs to build. It has to latch onto something to build around it. So every snowflake, every um I mean icicles obviously grow from your roof, right? They they latch onto your roof, but every snowflake has to crystallize around something so at the very very center there should be a tiny speck of dust or something. So, so that, I wonder if that's the same for stalactites and stalagmites as well. It must be kind of. I mean, do they drip? I don't know. So that's anyway, a, geeky. That's geeky. a little different. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> sedimentary action and stuff, which I'm less of a geologist, but I still find that interesting. Anyway, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with that, labs that need to grow high purity crystals, they will start with a tiny moat of the crystal they want a tiny, tiny piece because it will allow them to grow large, high purity crystals very quickly because it gives them something that already has the structure that they want to replicate. And it just grows rapidly from there. And that's what we need. So in more familiar terms, this is your point of inspiration. Okay, so for me, with my Murdering Magician series, my seed crystal is architecture. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. And the seed okay. crystal can be anything. It can literally be anything. 
for me, it's often very similar to what you just said, where I will say blank magic system. I did one in my book, I talk about a virus-based magic system where you get viruses that give you magical powers when you feel like crap, which I just thought was hilarious Brilliant. and awful. That is hilarious. <laughs> okay, and so for the X-Men, it's, it's, it's genes and, and biology where the seed crystal is, is the, mut the mutation or? It, it might have been. Uh, the seed crystal also might have been just this organization of special individuals responding okay. to world threats. Okay. It literally okay. can be anything. For me, it's the concept of the magic system most times. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's their plot. I was working with one person who, <laughs> the point of the seed crystal is once you find it, the rest of the system should start growing rapidly. You should start seeing options appear and get overwhelmed with things you could do, stuff that you like, and all that kind of thing. That is mm -hmm. when you have found your seed crystal. Okay, but I definitely have found my seed crystal then because the minute I knew, I was like, oh, and new yes. buildings and old buildings and derelict yes. buildings. And then the history of the building. Well, if there's a building where they used to like groom and grow horses, then maybe there's some kind of horse magic. And then, you know, like all of this. Yes. Shit. So like, yes. Okay, definitely. Yeah. I have my sea crystal. Yes, step yes one. exactly <laughs> like that. And it can come from anywhere. Uh, this person I was working with, it wasn't working. Stuff wasn't flowing until we walked through her plot. And then she fixated on the seven point structure and grew her magic off of those major points in the plot saying, I want this to be my turning point. Here's all the ways that the magic can factor in, implications that that could have. And very soon she had stuff that was far reaching in other parts of the world that were never going to see the light of day in the book that came because she did her plot first. Mm. I talked with somebody at 20 books who actually their seed crystal was a picture. It was just a picture of a character. It can be a moment of betrayal where you like the idea of somebody being turned over because of prejudice against a specific magical power they have. That can be your seed crystal. It doesn't matter. It just needs to spark those ideas and let it grow quickly like the architecture did for you. Okay, that is very cool. So what's next? Like what is an overarching, like, okay, so you have your seed crystal. What do you do next? How do you build? How do you stop yourself from creating a monster? Okay, in terms of where to find seed crystals, if you didn't get that, it can be literally anywhere where I recommend people start is look at areas that you are an expert look at things that you like and things that you know so I don't know if you're generally an architecture buff or not uh but well, if you were I'm not really a buff because I'm not very good at like history but I pay a lot of attention to architecture and I do an awful lot of visits and I'm really good at getting myself behind the scenes like like London's very famous natural history museum I have had a tour <laughs> behind the scenes of London's natural history museum and like did you know they have a floor 5.5 shit you not they have also really? have an 8.5 how fucking cool is that I wrote that into my last book because I was like there is no fucking way I am not writing that into my book because that is so cool and they also have this building where two built okay so I am a bit of a I do really love architecture but like see, I've never studied see. it like I've never studied it or anything I'm just you don't you don't have, you don't have to study it, it can, yeah so there's these two buildings right and um, you go out the doors of one building and you're in like a back alley and so you go down um and then the next building just begins it is separate but like there's no door you just walk into the corridor and it has like a just like a a platform that protects you from the rain but there's no door it doesn't shut I was like what and it's like connected to the other bit like what is this craziness anyway it's stuff like that that just I get so geeky and like I love derelict buildings I will often be found illegally climbing into buildings just to take pictures of like like, so I also managed to get into this school that had been derelict, it'd been mothballed for like 12 years. And there was like, like loads of people that like stolen the copper out of it and the ceilings were pulled down and we had to have all these like kit on to go into the building. I don't know how I get into these things, but I was allowed to take photos and stuff. And it was amazing. And um, yeah, it was the strangest, most eerie thing. Like I cannot, ex nobody had been in the building for so long that the air had no movement or energy in it it was like the building crazy? was dead yeah and like I just I remember like it, there was a thickness to the air because nobody had been in there and it just 
blew my mind and I think that's when I fell in love with buildings like because I was like this is insane in fact that is probably where this came from because yeah after that I was like obsessed so yeah Yeah. I don't have an expertise and I can't give you any architectural anything but it is a passion but it's a passion yeah yeah Yeah. start with stuff that you know and like like whether it's dyeing fabrics or anything but so where I went to college there was a building where it was it was almost a donut, right? So you had, you had um, long, uh, short hallway, long hallway, short hallway, and long hallway, but these two didn't actually connect. So if you were in this part of the building, you had to walk all the way around to get to the other end. Oh my God, I love Because it. initially they were two separate buildings that they then merged in the <sighs> spot. I love it. I love it. I love it. I literally love stuff like that. I am, um, yeah. Oh, I could geek about that kind of stuff with like zero knowledge but just like the excitement of of stuff like that so yeah that's so cool yeah so look at places like that stuff that you're really excited about and you will be able to weave really cool magic systems because you can get into the details and you will love getting into the details which okay so now we can go to the general uh, the general process which is more or less seven stages people don't go through these linearly always this is the order i go but Everybody that I have worked with or everybody I have watched build a magic system, they touch on all of these at one point or another. And generally, it's best to start this process once you have your seed crystal. It makes it much, much easier once you have your seed crystal, because then everything is generating on its own. You aren't having to force it. The first stage is idea generation. You have the seed crystal. You start throwing down ideas. I'm going to try and keep this short because I will will go on about magic systems. But this is where you want to brain dump absolutely everything that your magic system could be. Anything. It doesn't matter if it's connected at this point. It doesn't matter if it's contradictory at this point, if it's illogical, if it's nauseating. It doesn't matter. If it's something that your magic could potentially have or could potentially be, this is where you're finding it. And then in stage two is alignment, which is where you look at what your magic system needs to be so then you then it's easier if you have more of your story in place but you don't have to if you have general ideas about theme and characters and general plot the point here is to understand what you're going to apply it to what you're going to apply it to and figure out which pieces will and won't support that this is where you can do a lot of trimming of the ideas that you generated saying well I'm doing this thing over here. So this entire branch is out of alignment. So I either need to change how it works or just drop it. And there's no such thing as wasted planning. You can always pick it up and use it in a different system. Don't ever forget that. (laughs) You can always use it in a different system. Uh, Then stage three is definition. This is what most people are familiar with when we talk about building magic systems. Because this is where you know what it could be. You know what it needs to be. Now you are actually hammering out what it can do, what it actually is. Picking the very specific ideas that you want to keep and you want to develop saying they can do this and they can do this and it does work this way. Immediately after that is restrictions where you are now clarifying what your system can't do. Because again, engineering background, whenever I had to solve an engineering problem, the most, one of the most important things for me to do was to A, identify the information I had, identify the information that I needed to get, and then define the boundary conditions under which I had to solve this problem. Mm. And it's very similar here. You need to kind of narrow in and restrict what you're looking at. Yeah, I, I used to be a project manager and we did what's in scope on this project and what's out of scope. So I definitely had a similar thing. I'm wondering, so I'm kind of, I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm looping around with the, what does your magic system need to be? And therefore, what can it do and what can't it do? Do you have an example of it in practice, maybe a famous one that you could come up with, like a, what it shouldn't have been or what it needed to be or what it you know didn't need to be. I don't know, just to kind of put it into like a story or, or, or a magic system so I can understand like, yeah. So, I, or, or, you, or we could take the, the architecture that we've been talking about. So just because I'm struggling to take it from conceptual, like how do I know what it needs to be? I don't know how to know what it needs to be. Okay. 
So this is a part where you might want to go in a different order, because once you have the plot and stuff figured out a little better, you'll have a better idea of what you need it to be. An example would be for your system. If you were trying to tell a theme about the loss of history and just the decay of our lineage, then you really need to have stuff that focus in, focuses in on what happens to buildings and the magic of the buildings once they're left to rot. You have to have that if you're exploring that theme. Ah, uh, okay. If you wanted to explore a different theme about innovation and development and rapid growth, there would be very different aspects to your magic system you would want to build into it. Okay. And your magic doesn't always have to be in perfect alignment. Your magic is a type, it is a part of your story, just like any of the other elements. You can use it as a parallel to augment. You can use it as a counterpoint. So it could be that you're wanting to show innovation and growth and improvement of stability and safety of building design, or even integrating artistry into your architecture rather than just functionality, and then make the magic extremely utilitarian and very functionality-based okay. as a counterpoint. Okay, so that, that yeah, and that kind of reminds me of American Gods, where he had like the old gods and the new gods, and like, so that, and so he needed like that juxtaposition of old yes. and new gods so that now that makes a lot more sense to me thank you I appreciate that like because yeah I, I don't know I have to see it worked you know to know like yeah so that's brilliant thank you yeah uh, an example where I personally don't think it was done as well which this is not a slight on the book or the author or anything by that by any means just something that I didn't like as much the um the night angel series by Brent Weeks incredibly popular series didn't quite jive with me and part of that had to do with it felt like there was just a lot of the magic thrown in because magic is cool yeah and it didn't it didn't feel this is part of what I was talking about before the parts didn't feel like they fit together they didn't feel cohesive and they didn't feel like they were really doing anything other than just being there yeah and it's I think when you said theme that really nailed it for me because like I looking back at um okay so here I'm gonna talk about the book that I'm writing now which is called The Scent of Death right very low very low fantasy there is only okay. one element of so it's almost magical realism okay. um so basically there's this girl and she there's this old biddy in a park who and then all of a sudden there's this guy that she thinks is cosplaying that's dressed as death and then he pulls out a, a scythe and tries to like you know take the old biddy so this girl runs and tries to get in the way and gets bashed on the nose by death and so because she's been punched <laughs> on the nose by death she can now smell how everybody's gonna die right but that's it there is no other magic and the reason that that happens is because the whole theme is based on um saving people and you know you have to choose to save yourself and so this girl is like going around trying to save everybody when really she right. needs to save herself and she needs to choose to save herself and right. and so yeah but like the magic or like that little magic. And, I, and then like for a while I was like, mm, maybe I need to explain it and make it completely grounded in reality. And then I was like, nah, because nope. that completely ruins the whole point of the story, yeah. right? It's just this yeah. one tiny little element of, of magic. Yeah. But but when you said theme, I was like, oh, now yeah. I get it because I made yeah. that happen because of the theme. So that yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. And you can connect it to any of the elements of your story, right? You can connect it to key points in the plot for... One, for one of my fiction books that I'm really looking forward to having the time to go back and actually publish, but I'm doing, I'm focusing on the nonfiction right now because I don't have time to do everything at once. The main character is struggling with her own view of competence and what she thinks she's able of doing and settling into herself. And I didn't realize this until I finished the book, but her magic is a direct reflection of her understanding what she is good at and what she's there for and focusing in so it parallels and it snaps into focus when she finally stops she she stops delaying and accepting things and dis, and makes a decision and a commitment to a course of action and then her powers click into place and she and she's able to use them at the last minute when she truly needs them i love it so you can do all kinds of stuff like that it's yeah. just so cool yeah it is cool and it and also it makes it 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 grounds it 
in the story and makes it have like a point and a purpose. And that is the ridiculous thing. I never really thought about the magic system as having a purpose. Like we're taught to make your theme have a purpose and your side characters need to play into that theme and your plot needs to hit certain points. But I, and in that first series, I just slapped on the magic rather than making that magic intentional and mm -hmm. having a purpose, which is exactly yeah. what I've done with all, like, so with the scent of death and with um, yeah. murdering magicians and stuff, I'm trying to make that yeah. much more intentional. So yeah, that makes yeah. so much sense. Good. And you can toss it in there, but you're missing out on an amazing, amazing tool. Yes, a exactly. really powerful tool. So we got to definition. Yes. I don't think I think I stopped you then. <laughs> uh, oh, we talked a little bit about restrictions and what it can't do. Yes. And after that is testing, where you really are exploring the full capabilities of what you have defined so far. So what does that and look like? How do you do that? For me, I play in my head. If I had this magic, what would I do? How would I try and use it? I'm struggling with this situation. Could I use the magic to help with that? What would a bricklayer use the magic for? What would an architect use the magic for? What would a doctor use the magic for? Would they even know about it? How would the clergy feel about it? If I wanted to break into a vault, how would I use the magic to help me do that? Could I use the magic to help me do that? I just play around and see how far I can take it. And there are a lot of times where I'll be pushing and find boundaries that I don't want to push past. For example, for example, with standard telekinesis, you can push on things, you can throw them around. And as you start doing some logic, one of the things people bring up is why don't you just reach into somebody's chest and squish their heart? That's a good question. And I know that I don't want that as an option. So I have found a breaking point. Okay. which this will be important in the next stage. I, I found a breaking point that I don't like. I found a fracture and I'm making a note of that. Okay, uh, so- Some of, go ahead. Oh, uh, I just, I, cause you're making me think so much. And so uh, this is why I keep interrupting you. I'm so sorry, but this is so deeply fascinating to me. Um, so yeah, okay. So I think that this is what I've done. So I want her to save people, but then mm. they're going to die anyway. They're just going to die in a different way. So she like rises okay. to fame. And then there's like this whole, um, she's made into like a, 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 not a martyr. What's the other word? Like a prophet, um, yeah. you know, gets super famous. is on all the late night TV shows because she's saving all these people and blah, blah, blah. And then the people start dying. So, cause the whole point is, is like, well, you know, what, what, what if, it's that whole fate interplay, right? What is meant to be is meant to be. Yeah. So go on, no, go on. I'm just... uh, the, the other thing that makes me think of in terms of your theme of, you know, saving yourself so that you can save others, there's all kinds of stuff you can pull into that with your magic in terms of they don't all necessarily have to die, but really dig into how what she is sacrificing and how she is being injured to make this happen. And it can build to the point where she got injured this way over here and a small injury here and a small injury there. And then it gets to somebody really close to her and she has racked up so many injuries, she can't save them. So that is exactly what happens. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, the whole point of the story is, and I don't, I kind of don't want to uh, talk about it too much because there's a That's massive fine. plot twist, but like that, that is very close to, except with the injury thing I didn't do. Right. So that I'm going to have to go away and think about that and re-listen to what you just said, but like, definitely that is what happens at the end. She can't awesome. save the person that she wants to save the most. Uh, so it's like a bittersweet story, yeah. but you know, yeah. Yeah. And so that's that's testing, is pushing the limits, finding workarounds for the other things that you have set into place, and just seeing where it can go. There are a couple of exercises that I recommend people do. And if if you're really struggling with testing and finding good restrictions and limitations, I do have a workbook on exactly that called Restrictions May Apply. It has like 15 exercises for exactly that. Some of the ones in there uh, are to address what I call the God factors. These are the attributes that the closer and closer a character strays to one of these, the closer they are to effectively being a God. And the closer they are to effectively being a God, the more of an impact and potential danger they are for your story, your conflict, and everything else. The factors are omnipotence, which can be infinite energy, invulnerability, 
just extreme levels of power. So telekinesis taken to the point that I can rip the moon out of the sky. That's on, that's omnipotence. You have omnipotence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have omniscience, which is knowing everything before it happens, seeing the future, instant reactions, going into the past, being able to solve mysteries in an instant. If you know everything, then you know whether something is possible or not. And there's there's no fun. There's no discovery. There's no challenge. If your character knows everything, you don't have a plot. Yeah. Ultimately. At most, you have somebody bemoaning the fact that they can't do what they want to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you have omnipresence, which could be immortality. They're always um, they're always alive. It could be the ability to effectively be everywhere at once, um, whether it's just teleportation or they can appear anywhere they need to be or their power reaches everywhere. Omnipresence is also an issue. The fourth one, the fourth one is unlimited wealth. Because the second somebody can generate unlimited wealth, you have a major problem. Uh, if you don't think it's a superpower, just ask Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 And even if it doesn't break your system, it can break your world because you just have, you just introduced a way for people to crash economies, destroy countries, ruin dynasties, and all kinds of things if you didn't pay attention to that. And there's, so you want to pay attention to all of the ways that it's breaking, and you don't always have to patch them. You may find very strange workarounds. So in my viral magic system, there, there's a power. So I tend to go dark because I like, uh, I like gruesome yet delightful stuff. One of the powers is that while you're infected, you can spill your blood to use them as portals. Excellent. Well, there's only so much blood. Right. So the workaround I thought of is what would stop a truly reprehensible person from kidnapping people, infecting them, and just continually harvesting their blood to get large amounts so that they could say teleport tanks. And I decided nothing, because if somebody wants to go to that extreme, I'm okay with having that break in the system. But I, I made that decision intentionally after I found that. Yeah, and, and it's like vampires, isn't it? Vampires are immortal unless they hit the sunshine, so you, or they get staked or whatever. So I suppose you can have elements of those things if you restrict, restrict, restrict. Yes, yes, okay. or are very intentional about how you do it. So I I said something at 20 books that um, Becca Syme reminded me of, and now I'm going to use it everywhere because I really like it. Just because you have the ability to punch through a sun doesn't make navigating dating any easier. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, have you done your Clifton Strengths yet? Uh, I have. I have. Oh, I have do a tell me. Tell me. Tell me. <laughs> uh, I, ha I have to look them up. I remember okay, responsibility, responsibility okay. is high. Futuristic okay. is high. Um, relation is high. Uh, is those are all those are all in my top those are my top 10 in there okay um, you have to give I'm me the learning what the that end. actually means because yeah, I did it, it years ago and, yeah <laughs> I am like a Becca nerd huge fan um okay so we have gone round and round and round in circles and I've definitely pretty much not really asked any of the questions that I was going to which is just fantastic Wait, there's means... one more stage oh is there I'm so sorry <laughs> I, I can't count either clearly tell me the last stage so we've gone through this definition, this restriction, this testing, and then we get to the last one, which is iteration. You okay. need to go back and you need to do it again. <gasps> you don't need to do it as comprehensive, and this is where you can start jumping around. You just did testing and probably found some breaks. So focus on that and run through the seven stages, specifically focusing on how to address those breaks. Do a bunch of idea generation, check the alignment with your story, define it, restrict it, test it again, and then jump to a different part of your system. Iteration is very important. It helped me get past the fear of not getting it right because it didn't matter anymore because I was going to double check it. Okay. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. I think if I'd done that, I maybe I wouldn't have fucked up so bad. <laughs> Um, I bet it's not as bad as you think it is. No, it's not. It's fine. It, I mean, it, <laughs> it, I made it work uh, after like four million years, but um, it's just, yeah, I think because I learned so much about good storytelling and stuff, uh, you know, I know better now and thus I am frustrated that I had to write a final book in a series that could have been so much better, but I had to make it still fit 
the, the system and, and everything. So, yes. Okay. Um, let me see here. So we've talked about an overarching um, process. We've talked around seed crystals and where to start. We've talked about um, testing the magic system. So um, in, in your talk, because I watched your talk and um, in your book, you talk about lots of different words with like lots of different meanings so things like flux source prevalence transference naturalness reliability what are all of these words in this context and um why do we need to be worried about them okay and i just breathed into my mic real loud so i apologize when you have to edit <laughs> that uh, so these are what i call magic system variables because a big part of what i do is try and examine the processes we're already going through and define it better and codify how we can approach it and solidify the definitions. So a lot of these cover questions that we're already pseudo trained to ask. For example, prevalence is there to address the questions of how many magic users are there? Who can do magic? Where are they? All of those things tie into prevalence. And there's, there's a bunch of them. Uh, I could go through them here. I'm also willing to send you I have the, you can get the blueprint itself, which is just basically the worksheet with the glossary on it. That'll give you a really quick intro. I'd be happy to send you the link. Um, like that's that's available for anybody to download, honestly. Well, if you, is that on your mailing list? And we can just give them your mailing list link and then they can sign up for that. Uh, if it's not on my mailing list, you can email me and I'll send it to you. Okay, perfect, like, okay. Um, but flux specifically, so prevalence is how much of your magic is in the world, right? Flux is the change in prevalence over time, is the amount of prevalence increasing, decreasing, or staying the same. Then consistency, well, I, are there specific ones you want to know about, Sasha? Um, talk about transference. Okay. Transference is all about gaining or moving the ability to perform magic around. And this, this is one of the areas. So I say that tech and traditional magic are both magic systems, and I wholeheartedly believe they are. Transference is one of the key areas that traditional magic and advanced tech differ. Traditional magic is really, really low in transference, because for the most part, you tend to be in situations where you're either born with it or you're not. You're either a have or you're a have not. Whether that comes through a ritual, special gifts, it doesn't really matter. You either have it or you don't, and it's really hard to get it if you don't already have it. Technology is on the opposite end of that, where it's very easy for me to take the capability to perform this magical effect and hand it off to somebody else. That's the entire point of technology, is to be able to distribute these magical effects. Uh, one of the examples I give is if you wanted to do a uh, a force field, a personal force field, right? I fabricate it. I have the I have the trinket. I can make force field appear. If I give the trinket to you, you can make the force field appear. We just transferred the magic from one person to another. So that's high transference. That's one of the main areas that true technology is different from more traditional magic. Mm. I'm trying to think if I've ever read a story where there is any kind of transference. There are some, so yeah. people temporarily granting boons and, and powers and abilities to other people uh, in systems where you can go undergo a dangerous rite in order to contain magic, that is slightly higher transference because mm. anybody who wants to can attempt to get it and theoretically anybody could get it. It's just not easy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I've got a couple of questions from patrons. So yes. uh, SW Miller says, is there a way to make a simple magic system look more complex? I.e. he doesn't want to do what I did, <laughs> which is set too many rules that he then can't stick to, but he still wants the magic system to feel real and well-developed. Okay, I have a follow-up question on that. I'm going to actually try and address each of these pieces. First thing you need to ask yourself is whether you are wanting it to look and feel complex, developed, or nuanced, because those are three different things. Okay. If you want it to feel complex, then you need rules and conditions and interconnections and sympathetic reactions. You need stuff over on the left 
having a ripple effect on things on the right. That's that's the complexity of systems, right? Just a chain of wires is not complex. The wiring structure of a house is complex. So if you want true complexity, you're going to need to do that. If you just want it to be developed, it's really a matter of exploring the implications and the placement and the story and the world around it. Because the more you integrate it and embed it into the rest of your story, the better developed it's going to feel, regardless of how simple or complicated it is. Mm. So your magic may be a single simple effect. Like being able really... to smell how somebody's going to die. Yeah. And if you really wove that into the world, so you have cultures, you have religions, you have special professions and special places in society, that is going to make it feel more developed, even though you haven't changed anything about your actual system. And then nuanced, nuanced systems are interesting. My, my best tip is to make skill matter. Because if the magic users need to take a nuanced approach to how they implement the magic, that will automatically make your magic seem more nuanced. Okay, and so what do you mean by nuanced? So for example, if I wanted to do a magic system around jewelry, specifically, let's say stone cutting, a way I could make it more nuanced is by making the angle of the cut, the type ah, of cut, the okay. type of stone, the way it's polished, all of these little details, it doesn't have to change how the magic performs. Like you yes. don't have to say, well, this cut does this effect, this cut does that effect. No, just the quality with which you do that and pay attention to those details improves the quality and output of the magic. That makes it a more nuanced system, makes it feel more nuanced. So my favorite nuanced magic system is Rainbow Rowell. I don't know if you've read Rainbow Rowell. She writes young adult, um, most often LGBT. And she wrote um, a book called Carry On. And um, it's basically Harry Potter fan fiction. Um, but her magic system is based on common phrases. And um, the more common the phrase, the yes. more powerful the spell. But the way she nuanced it is that like, so for example, open sesame is going to work in England, it's going to work in America, but it's going to have slightly less of an effect in Scotland, for example, oh, I don't know Scotland, but they probably say open sesame too. But, but for example, if you went to Bolivia, that shit ain't mm -hmm. going to work because it's not a Bolivian phrase, right? Right. And right. so there are, there are like, it works with like song lyrics or like idioms or, you know, so she has um, like, you know, all of these, uh, it could be any kind of phrase, but like the more common it is, the more powerful it is. And, um, and I love that she nuanced it by putting, you know, like linguistic restrictions yeah. on it. It was just yeah. genius. Yeah. Genius, I tell you. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, I I think you mentioned it in the episode with Angeline Trevina, which oh, did I? If anybody say? listening yes. to this hasn't, that's a great episode. They should go yeah, listen to that. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. I love her. Yeah, um, um you should definitely uh, try and talk to her on Unstoppable Authors as well, because I'm sure you two would just geek out <laughs> together. I, yeah, I'm, I'm wanting to reach out because honest, honestly, listening to her talk about it, I got real excited because. Finally, there was somebody who was talking about it, like kind of how I was. And so. Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing. Um, okay, so uh, Genevieve uh, Scholl says, how do you create a magic system that is unique enough to stand out, but not so far reaching that readers don't understand or believe it? Okay. The first thing I'm going to say is that your magic system doesn't have to. It's okay to have a generic magic system and one that people are familiar with. Like there vampires are, and werewolves. Yeah, there are tropes and there are archetypes in magic systems just like there are with characters and plots. And it's okay to rely on that to tell a specific type of story to make certain types of readers and members of your audience feel comfortable and to decrease the learning curve for your book. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I feel like we keep pushing to make things more complex and more unique and you don't have to if you want to a phrase that i use for myself a lot to help pacify some of these anxieties about stuff like this is 
creativity is in combinations and distinction is in the details. Mm. So if it feels generic, especially when you're first starting, that's fine. You haven't gotten to the details yet. If you want to make it more unique, dig into the details, dig into the details of how it feels, how it works, specifically somebody's emotional history with this magic. It doesn't have to be the magic itself. It can be how you put it in the story, but dig into the details or combine it with something else. If, if you had the architecture and you really wanted to bring in a lot more fantastical elements and parts of just common knowledge in the zeitgeist, you might decide to combine your architectural magic with things from Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman because of how smoothly he interrelated the Neverwhere with everyday things that we just don't think about anymore. That would be a combination that would let you come up with a much more unique system than what you had before. Mm-hmm. I have to say I wasn't a huge Neverwhere fan which I know is really controversial because I, yeah like, I was loads of people love Neverwhere but I just I was like ah like <laughs> yeah that's kind know. of where I was yeah like I don't know because he is a fantastic writer um but Jess was a bit ah it know. was immensely creative yeah it but the rest of it didn't quite jive for me. Yeah, it, yeah, it that's exactly it how really I felt. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm glad I'm not alone in that. I always feel like I'm really nervous of being like, oh, I don't know. Uh, because so many people loved Neverwhere, but um, it was incredibly creative. And like, like you say just then about the details that really made it unique, like that is mm-hmm. exactly what he did. Yeah. But yeah. I was just a bit meh, about yeah. the plot, about the pace, about the... I'm honestly not sure if I'm a Neil Gaiman fan. I'm not like I've read a couple of his stuff and they just weren't working for me, which isn't to say they aren't good books because there's lots of reviews that say otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. Just, just not what I'm here for. Okay. I can't believe this is the end of the interview. I'm gutted. I could literally sit here. I think I have had a realization that I actually really like magic systems whilst talking to you. I didn't realize how much I love them and how many I like I normally I'm really bad at coming up with on the spot examples but like I was just maybe it's just your fantastic descriptions and explanations that made me go oh yeah I can think of this one and this one and this one um but yeah I have had a blast talking to you however this is the rebel author podcast so tell everyone about a time you unleashed your inner rebel okay this is tough I was actually I knew you were going to ask this and I was spending a lot of time trying to think about this uh and it comes down to one pretty simple fact and it is the fact that I am to my core lawful good no so (laughs) my points of rebellion uh, my points of rebellion have come about when my laws don't equal your laws Mm, because then I stick to my laws (laughs) wonder if you've got consistency in your uh, strengths as well because they're rule followers. <laughs> uh, probably. So one example, and it does hurt me sometimes, and, and I, I know it does. But for example, uh, if I'm in a work culture, which I was in, where safety is less of a concern because it's more about the delivery, I did not do well there um, because I said, no, safety is first. And it took me twice as long to do everything. And then nobody wanted to work with me. But that's because I was following the safety regulations. Uh, Oh, bless your heart. You would have hated me. (laughs) Or another example uh, with writing is, you know, with blogging or with YouTube, there's a lot of common advice saying you want to get up to a cadence of once a week. That is the most effective cadence. That's where you build an audience most rapidly. That hits people's radar enough. I have not done that. And I don't know if I'm ever going to do that until I'm full-time, even if I, even when I am full-time, because my own rules about my priorities in life and my personal health and relationships shifted that. So it's not feasible. So I'm, I'm not going to do it. And has it slowed me down? Absolutely. But the ultimate rebellion is doing it your way. And I think that is, yeah, that's fantastic. Ah, oh, thank you so, so much for your time today. Tell everyone where they can find out more about you, your books, your services, like anything else you want to add. The best places to find me are on my website, which is crrowinson.com. You can also find me on YouTube as The Magic Engineer. Those are the best places to find me. If you want to reach out to me, go through my website, contact page, 
I have two books on Amazon. One is Restrictions May Apply. The other one is The Magic System Blueprint, which again, if you reach out to me, you can get access to the actual blueprint, the worksheet to help you map out your magic system. That is open. Anybody can have that. The book just talks through all of the details of what it means and how you can use it. And you can find that on Amazon. I am also a writing coach and developmental editor. So if you want to talk to me about my services, just shoot me an email and we'll get a free consultation set up so you can tell me what you're struggling with and, and work from there, which my, more than anything, I want to be helpful. So there are a lot of people that have come to me and then haven't had to come back after the 30 minute consultation because I'll try and help you. And then if that gives you what you need, awesome. You don't have to pay me. You got what you needed. Go, go right. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. I am incredibly inspired and I think I have gone away possibly now with a plot idea for uh, my murdering magicians. So I don't know, I'm going to have to go and intellect on it for a bit longer, I think, but I think I might be there. And really annoyingly, I decided to go and write um, in a contemporary genre. And now you've got me all excited for <laughs> fantasy again. It's all your fault. Oh, anyway, thank well, you thank so much. Thank you so much for having me. No, this... you are most welcome. It's been a pleasure. This was a blast. And thank you so much to everybody listening. And of course, a ginormous thank you to the show's patrons. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes, you can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black. I'm Sasha Black. You are listening to C.R. Rowanson, and this was the Rebel Author Podcast. Join me next week when I will be uh, joined by the award-winning crime writer, Rachel McLean. We talk about um, how to succeed and go from selling a couple of books a day to selling thousands of books a day. Uh, and we also talk about how to write good crime. So join me next week for that. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review. Oh, 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 oh